hey, y'all, thank you so much for tuning into this message. We hope that it speaks to your life. And if you have questions, please contact us. You can contact us on the website at thousandhillsranchchurch.com or thousandhillsranchchurch at yahoo.com. And then you can also call us at 580-216-6427. And may God use this message to change your life. I want to continue. I've been doing a series. It's five parts, five parts. Um, and uh, the series is called What a Tool. What a Tool. How many of you guys have been here for all the first four parts? Yeah, a few of you guys have been here for all the first four parts. Um, well, today will probably be uh, the last part of this series. Um, God has um, really, I felt, um, kind of used this series even in my own life. And you say, well, what's this tool about? Well, here's the thing. There are two different kinds of tools. There's a useless tool, right? And it can be a, you know, a hand tool or whatever that you don't really need. Or it can be a person that feels useless, Right? that feels like they don't have any worth, that feels like they, they can't do anything right because they're trying to win the approval of other people and they're living for the world rather than living for God and they can't find their worth because, again, they're looking for it in the wrong spot. And so they're called a tool, right? A tool. Well, then there's uh, the useful tool, the tool that is, um, has found its worth in, in Christ, that's found its worth in God, and it has become worthy through Jesus Christ to do the things that God has called us to do, right? And that's what we look at, and that's how we, you know, that's what we've been looking at for the last few weeks. Um, for the last few weeks, we've looked at um, uh, how God has designed us. He's designed us for a purpose, just like a tool has a purpose. We are designed with a purpose. We are created in Christ. Um, we are designed uh, to, to do what uh, God has called us to do, right? And so that's what we're called to do. Well, today, I want to I wrap up this series. Um, well, here's the thing. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, the, the cowboy. Obviously, we're a cowboy church, and, and we all love cowboys. And maybe uh, some of you guys aren't cowboys, but hopefully you'll be able to relate to this today. Um, I want to teach you a little bit of the etiquette that I've learned as a cowboy. Now, again, now let me just say this before I, I get into it. Cowboys are gracious, Right? If you um, come to a gathering and you're gathering cattle or whatever, and you don't know what you're doing, if you will just tell them, hey, I don't know what I'm doing, then guess what they'll do? They'll help you, right? I mean, typically they'll help you or they'll put you in a spot where no action happens. <laughs> Can I get an amen? <clears throat> but here's the thing. If you're honest with, the, uh, you know, let's say the ranch boss or somebody, if you're honest with them, say, dude, I don't know what I'm doing here. You got to help me out. They're typically going to help you because they're gracious. But if you walk into a pen or you walk into a pasture or right into a pasture and you say, yeah, I know exactly what I'm doing and you don't know what you're doing, guess what? Cowboys hate that. Uh, they'll let you go to the dirt and they won't catch you. <laughs> um, here's a few things that I, I've learned in, in as far as cowboy etiquette. Never touch a cowboy's hat, right? Can I get an amen on that? Never touch a cowboy's hat. If you touch a cowboy's hat, I mean, that's fighting, you know, terms right there. You just don't do it. Uh, a couple other things. Never ride another uh, cowboy's horse. 
right? You don't ever just walk up to him, hey, I want to take your horse for a ride, and you get on. You know, that's just, that's, again, itching for a fight. Um, never ride in front of another cowboy, and I've talked about this before. If you're riding the line, and you're pushing cattle, you never ride in front of another cowboy. It's just, it's just a sign of disrespect. Cowboys hate that. Uh, cowboys hate poor horsemanship. If you, um, again, are just jerking on your horse the whole day, I mean, some Good cowboys, they look at that and they think, dude, you just need to stop that. They hate that. Um, a couple other things are never bring your dog to another cowboy's gathering. Can I get a witness? I mean, that's just the truth, right? I mean, some guys, they'll show up, hey, I got my dog. You want me to bring him out? And they're like, no. Keep your stinking dog in your, in your you know, kennel in the back of your pickup. Uh, another thing that I've learned, and this is maybe just because I'm a photographer and I take a lot of pictures Here's something that cowboys don't like. They, if you take their picture and their horse's head's up in the air and just jerking on the bit and doing this whole deal, they don't like it when you post that picture online. Right? I mean, typically, cowboys, they want you to take a picture of the horse's head down. I mean, just pulling hard or doing something good, cutting a cow or cutting something. I mean, that's typically what they want. And if you are going to, again, win the favor and the respect of another cowboy, then you need to honor them by respecting what they do and not making them look weak, right? Those are some things that a cowboy hates. Now, this Cowboy etiquette, again, if you come to my house, we're probably not going to follow a lot of those rules because I don't have that many cattle or, you know, we don't, we don't have that big of a gathering. So the kids are just free-for-all and they're just whipping and riding, you know, and you're like, oh, you know, I mean, so we have a little more fun. But if you ever go in a big pasture with a true uh, cowboy crew, then these are some of the things that you need to, need to learn. And aren't you glad you know them now? Amen. Can I get an amen? I mean, some of you guys are like, dang, I'm ready. Never been on a horse, <laughs> but you're ready. At least you have something to hold on to. And here's the truth. The handier that you get as a cowboy, the more that you want to uphold what cowboys stand for, right? I mean, those are things, again, that cowboys hate. Now, here's the thing, and here's how I want to tie this in. As Christians, we are called to hate one thing. Here's the thing. Here's, the answer is sin, um, here, I, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. Some pastors, can I just pick on some pastors because I am one and I can do that? Some pastors are yellow bellies. Some pastors have no backbone. Some pastors, they're afraid to talk about sin because they're afraid that people won't come to church. They're afraid that they're going to offend somebody by talking about the truth no matter, you know, if it's true. I mean, it, it is true, but they're afraid to talk about it. Can I just tell you, I'm not one of the yellow belly pastors that are afraid to talk about sin. Now listen, and I want you to stick with me for the rest of this, this, this message because some of you guys are like, oh great, he's going to pick on me today. He's going to point out my sin. Listen, I may point out some sin today, but in the end, I want you to realize this. We are all sinners too. Can I get a bigger amen on that? I mean, all of us are sinners. And so just because I may point out something that you may do that it's wrong, trust me, I've done it too. We've all sinned. And here's the thing. It, I, I respect a person that says, you know what? That's wrong. I respect a person that's honest. If it's bad, say it's bad. If it's good, say it's good. If it's wrong, say it's wrong. But always do it in love. You see what I'm saying here? 
And so today I want to look at, you know, the, some of the truths about hating sin. Just like that cowboy hates certain uh, things that some other cowboys do. Listen, we should hate sin. Number one is this. If you're taking notes, number one is this. A true tool of the Lord hates sin. A true tool of the Lord hates sin. Sin. I, I want you to look at Romans chapter 12, verse 9. It says this. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. You know what that's saying? I mean, it's obvious. I mean, it says, hate what is wrong and hold on to what is good. Can I just tell you this? If you claim to be a believer in Jesus Christ, then you ought to hate sin. You ought to hate it. I mean, it says you ought to hate what is wrong and cling to what is good. If you can, listen, go through life living in a sin, and, and again, all of us do this at certain points of our lives, then you may want to check your true, you, you know, your heart. Because if I, if I sin, I don't know about you, but it kills me. And you say, well, you're just a holier-than-that little preacher. No, I'm not. I'm a Christian, and, I, and the Lord lives in my heart, and I thank God that when I sin, I feel convicted. Amen? I mean, that's a good thing. So if you, if you profess Jesus as your Savior, then you should hate sin. And we're not saying that you should be sinless. We're saying that you should sin less, Right? I mean, we're all going to sin, we're all going to fall short. But here's the truth, and I've seen this in our culture. And I'm going to pick on the culture today, but again, we love our culture. But here's the thing. In our culture, we have people that want to love Jesus with this arm and be like, Hey, buddy, Jesus, I love you. And then they want to love sin with this arm. They're like, Hey, sin, I love you. You know where I see this a whole lot? I see it in music. I don't know. I, I, I love all kinds of music. I love, you know, I, the only th- I don't like rap. Anybody, any rap fans in the house? Come on now. Come on. Never mind. See, that's why I don't like it because I'm a white boy. <clears throat> ice, ice, baby. That's the only song I know. Um, but anyways, uh, music. I, I like to pick on music because, again, there's all kinds of good music. I love, uh, you know, rock music. I love country music. I love bluegrass. I love it all. I can just enjoy music. But here's what I see a lot of times in music, and it's music that maybe we listen to sometimes. They, they love Jesus in this song, and then they contradict everything that Jesus stood for in this other song. Do you guys see that? Am I the only one who sees that? Now, here's the thing. I was speaking to Aaron Watson, the guy that came and did our concert, and, and I love Aaron. Here's why. Because when he sings a song, it, he, he means it, and he has his faith in Jesus, so he's not going to s- glorify sin in another song, the next song. Does that make sense? Now, here's the thing, and I see this in leadership in our country and all that stuff. They say that they love Jesus. They say that you know they're, they're a Bible-believing Christian, but then they don't live what the Bible says. Now, again, I'm not picking on them just to pick on them. I'm just pointing out the truth. Because here's the thing. If we claim to know Jesus Christ, then we should hate it. We should hate it. Um, Let me give you a a couple of examples of sins that maybe um, I deal with and maybe you deal with. The first one is this. uh, The sin that we commit with our tongue how many of you guys have uh, issues with your mouth sometimes? 
<laughs> it's okay, I'm not the priest. You can confess today. But here's the thing. I think we all struggle with it. I think it's a struggle in, in all of our lives. But listen to what this says. And again, this is a sin that we should hate. James chapter 1, verse 6, it says, And the tongue is a flame of fire. It is, the whole, it is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Do you see what that's saying? I mean, the tongue's a powerful, nasty thing. And in our tongues, they, they, they can control us sometimes before we can even think about it. And, and, but here's the truth. If we know Jesus Christ, if we've given him our life, there's no excuse for us to misuse our tongue. You say, well, I can't control my tongue. It's just who I am. People just need to get over it. If I'm a jerk to people, they just need to get over it because that's who God made me. No, it's not. I've tried to use that excuse before and it's not right. Can I get a witness? Anybody? I mean, seriously, I, I try to think, you know, my wife just needs to, you know, just know that I'm going to speak rough and I'm going to talk like this. No, that's stupid. <laughs> Listen, if you have Jesus in your life, he can give you control over your mouth. It's a great thing. Some of you guys, you know, you like to cuss up a storm. And again, I'm not picking on you because you cuss. I mean, you can, you can say, you can curse somebody out without ever, out ever saying a four-letter word. Amen? I mean, you can, you can be mean without ever cussing, saying a, a cuss word. But here's the thing. Some of you guys are like, oh, it's just who I am. And I understand. I get around people, and they've grown up with it. They've grown up with the sorry talk all their lives, and it's just a part of who they are. And guess what I do with them? I have grace on them. You know why? Because that's their struggle just like I struggle. You see what I'm saying? I mean, again, some Christians want to go, you better stop that. You better get rid of that. You better stop doing that. No, listen, just love them. They probably know that it's wrong. If they ask you if it's wrong, you need to say it's wrong. But you need to love them because that's their struggle, right? And so listen, I mean, it, it, it can control us, but through Christ, we can control it. Romans 8, 2 says this. And because you belong to him, which is Christ, the power of the living or the life-giving spirit has freed you, listen, from the power of sin that leads to death. And so here's the truth. The fact is we've been freed from the power of sin and we have power over it. Some of you guys need to get this. When you give your life to Christ, he gives you the power through the Holy Spirit that comes into your life and he gives you power to overcome your sin. So the fact is, as Christians, there is no excuse to talk to your spouse like they're a dog. Can I get a witness on that? I mean, seriously, some of you men, you talk to your wives like they're doormats. You need to get over it. You need to change. Some of you wives, you nag your husband all the time. You need to stop it. <laughs> Here's the thing. Do we all commit sin like that? Absolutely, but it should be the exception, not the rule. And when you commit a sin in, with your mouth, listen to what, what you need to do. You need to confess it. You need to say, I was wrong, and I need you to forgive me. You see what I'm saying? Ephesians 4.29, memorize this verse. I've memorized it, and listen, when I want to get in trouble with my tongue, guess what I do? I remember this verse. 
Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but, uh, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do you see what it's saying? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. If it's not wholesome, it don't need to come out. I don't know about you, but that's hard. I want to tell you that, and, and telling the truth is good, but sometimes you just need to go, okay, not going to tell that person the truth this time. You know what I'm saying? And especially when it's your wife. <laughs> just stay away from that whole deal. Trust me. Well, here's the thing. You may be thinking, well, how do I overcome my tongue? How do I overcome any sin? Well, again, you fight with the weapons of God. You don't fight it against, oh, yeah, I'm just going to do better. I'm just going to try harder. No, you pray, you read the word, you give it over to the Lord, and then you change. Because that's a sign of, again, being a true tool for the Lord. Another sin that we should hate is this, and, and this may not be pertinent to you, but it may be pertinent to me. You know what else that God hates that we should hate? Lukewarmness. You say, well, what's that mean? Uh, Well, let me explain it. Lukewarmness is complacency. God hates complacency. And here's the truth. Because we live in America, because we don't have the persecution like all the other countries do, guess what? It's easy to be complacent, isn't it? I mean, most of us, we have good houses, we have good horses, we have, you know, good parents, we have all these good things, we got good trucks. I mean, we got all these pleasures in the world, and because of that, it makes us complacent. When there's a fight to fight, America doesn't fight a lot of times because we have it so good that we're afraid to even step into the fight. Listen. God has called us not to be complacent. And you say, well, again, what's that mean? What's it mean to be lukewarm? I don't know if you've ever been to, around a horse tank when it's just stagnant. I mean, anybody ever been around a nasty horse tank? Some of you guys haven't. <laughs> Some of you guys have. Um, you've been around a nasty horse tank where it's just stagnant. I mean, it just stinks. I mean, you can stick your hand in it, and you can't even tell that there's water on your hand because it's just lukewarm. It's just stagnant. But then you go to a good horse tank or something and the water's flowing out of the well and it's cold and it's good and it's refreshing, right? Listen, that's what it means to be lukewarm. If you, if you look at your life and you're complacent and you're not doing what you know God has called you to do, then you're probably lukewarm. And guess what? God hates that and we should hate that too. Look at uh, Revelations chapter 3 verse 15 and 16. God is talking to the church, by the way, and I'm picking on, he's picking on Christians. Listen to what he says. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are lu- like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Do you see what that's saying to us as Christians? He's saying, I want you to be hot or cold. It makes me sick when you're lukewarm. It's like nasty water. When you stick lukewarm water in your mouth, nasty. You just want to spit it out. That's what God hates, and that's what we should hate as well. Listen, uh, there, should, there are three temperatures that Christians can be a part of or be in. You ready for this? You can be red hot, right? On fire for the Lord. You can be cold, which is, again, you're not on fire for the Lord. And then you can be lukewarm, which is comfortable and complacent and not doing anything that you know you should be doing. Now, here's the truth. We should strive to be red hot for the Lord. 
Amen? I know, I look around and I see some of you guys and I think, they look tired. (laughs) They look tired. Here's the deal. If you will give all you've got to the Lord, if you will be red hot for the Lord, listen, you'll sleep better, you'll, you'll live life better, your mind will be better, your heart will be better because you're on fire for the Lord, you're fighting the good fight, you're doing what God has called you to do. When you sit around, I don't know if you're like me, but when I sit around a lot, I get even more tired, more complacent, more lazy, and, and don't do squat. But when I exercise and I do things that I know are, are, are right, listen, it fires me up. I, w- I want to read you a story uh, that I read the other day. And this is kind of neat, but just listen to this. Uh, the well-known village atheist, and if you don't know what an atheist is, that's somebody that doesn't believe in God. The well-known vi- village atheist was seen running vigorously to the side of a burning church building, intent on joining with the others in helping to extinguish the flames. A neighbor observing him exclaimed in amazement, This is something new for you. I never saw you going to church before. The atheist replied, Well, this is the first time I've ever seen a church on fire before. You see what it's saying? I mean, here's the thing. I mean, that guy, he had never seen the church on fire, and he wanted to come watch or, you know, try to put it out. Listen, if we will get on fire for the Lord, the world will come and watch us burn. You know, here's the cool thing about our church. Because we're maybe reaching people, which we are, because we're doing things that are exciting, because we're kind of the talk of the town, guess what? People show up. And you know what I want them to see? I want them to see a pastor that's on fire. I want them to see people that are on fire, not just Christian cliques that exclude everybody that live outside these walls. I want them to see us loving people. I want them to see us striving to be what God has wanted us to be and hate sin. And so listen, you you think, well, this is just a bunch of preacher talk. No, it's not. It's what we should be living like. If you're a true believer, you should hate sin. Number two is this. Hating sin takes time. You say, well, what does that mean? I mean, what, what are you saying it takes time? Here's the truth. A lot of religious people, all they want to do is point at the new Christian that just got saved or just gave their life to Christ, and they go, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be doing that. You should know better. You shouldn't be sinning like that. Here's the truth that I've learned. Listen, there are a lot of Christians that just don't know that it's wrong. And here's the truth. If we don't teach them that it's wrong, then they'll never know that it's wrong. And so you say, what's the point? Hating sin takes time. Just like that gracious cowboy needs to teach that cowboy that doesn't know the proper etiquette and be gracious with them, we should be gracious with people that just don't know. Can I get an amen on that? I mean, seriously, I think a lot of times we think that these people should just know, but we live in a culture where a lot of parents didn't teach their kids what they taught us, what ours taught us. And so we've got to be gracious with them. Look at Galatians 6.1. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should what? Gently and humbly help that person back on the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Listen, a lot of Christians have gotten it wrong. Listen, we should gently 
teach people that they should hate sin. And it takes time. Doesn't happen overnight. My dad was an alcoholic. He got saved as an adult uh, when I was probably around the time I was born. My dad continued to drink like an alcoholic after he got saved. You know why? Because he didn't know that drunkenness was wrong. Until one of his good friends cocked up to him and said, Hey, hey Kent, you shouldn't drink a fifth of whiskey every night. And my my dad goes, oh, really? So the Bible says that we shouldn't be drunk? And he said, yes. So guess what my dad did? He poured it down the drain because he wanted to please God. Can my dad have a whiskey sour every now and then at Red Lobster? Absolutely he can. You know why? Because the Bible doesn't say that you can't drink. It says that you can't get drunk. It's a sin and you should hate it. Can Can I get something on that? I mean, seriously. But here's the thing. My dad didn't know it was wrong to get drunk until somebody was godly enough to walk up to him and say, dude, getting drunk is a sin. God has called us to be better, to do something better than just being drunk all the time. And so my dad changed. So here's the thing. Hating sin takes time. So be gracious with people. Show them mercy and then just teach them the truths of God's word. Here's the last thing and I'm done. We are to hate the sin, but love the sinner. We're to hate the sin, but love the sinner. Somewhere along the way, many churches have gotten it wrong. Here's what has happened. In their effort to hate sin, they began to hate the sinner. And it's wrong. There's a church, and I'll point it out because I I will... I guess, disagree with it. There's a church uh, called Westboro Baptist Church. Anybody ever heard of Westboro? I don't know really who they are. But from what I can see, and I watched the the interview um, with a guy named Russell Brand. Anybody know Russell Brand? Used to be married to Katy Perry. Anyways, uh, Russell brought him on his show, and these two guys were from Westboro Westboro, uh, Baptist Church. And um, anyways, what I saw was that they did hate sin, but they also hated the sinner. Um, And again, they'll be judged for that just like I'm judged for my sin. Um, But here's the truth. If you don't like sinners, then you don't need to be a part of this church because we welcome sinners. And so, so listen, the truth of the word is that we should hate the sin, but love the sinner. And you say, well, how do we know that that's right? Here's the truth. Jesus gives us a great example. I want to read this and I'm done. John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. Listen to what Jesus did. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. Listen to this. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in the front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses said we should stone her. What do you say? Listen to this. They were trying to trap him into saying something that he could, they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. Now, again, I don't, I don't know what he wrote. Nobody right, probably does. But I would imagine it was the sins of the Pharisees that were standing in front of him. Maybe some names that they had had affairs with. I don't know. 
But he stooped down and he wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. Man, I wish I would have I wish I knew what he wrote. But then it, let's look at verse 9. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? And listen to this. No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. But listen to the last part. Go and sin no more. Here's what Jesus did. He looked at this woman. She was caught in adultery. Everybody's like, stone her, get her, kill her. She's a jerk. I mean, she's a sinner. And what does Jesus say? He says, hey, I don't condemn you, but I want you to go and sin no more. Listen, we're called to hate the sin, but love the sinner. And that's what we're going to do at Thousand Hills Ranch Church. That's what we're committed to. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a second. Here's my question. I got a few questions. First one is this. Are you a a true tool of the Lord? Are you a true tool of the Lord? If you're a a true tool of the Lord, then here's the thing. You should know that you are worth something. That God has designed you with a purpose. He's he's given you a choice. You can choose him or not choose him. Why does he do that? Because he loves you. But here's the truth. If you are a true tool of the Lord, here's the next question. Do you hate sin? You should. And you say, well, I, I just don't know what's right and what's wrong. Listen, if you don't know what's right and wrong, We are so glad that you're here because our church is committed to teaching you gently and lovingly. Don't feel like you're that jerk cowboy that doesn't know what's going on. Listen, ask for help. If you don't have a Bible that you can understand, we will buy you a Bible. You will get it for free. You say, Bo, I need more than that. I need someone to meet with me, to disciple me, to show me what it really means when I read that verse. Listen, if that's you and you desire that, listen, let us know. Fill out that orange card, put on there. I need to be discipled. I want to know more about the word of God. And we will do that. But you, you will never get it unless you ask. Because we just don't know. Here's the thing. Do you, here's the last question. Do you hate sin but love the sinner? Listen, the truth is, we are all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And we are to hate sin, but we are to love the sinner. And so I challenge you, if you're a Christian here today, I hope that you will walk out of this place knowing that there are sinners all around, and you are one too, and that we are called to love them, but still speak honestly with them, about the truth of sin. And so here's, here's maybe the prayer that you need to pray today. God, show me my sin and help me to hate it. Help me to confess it. Help me to get rid of it in my life. Give me a hate for what I do wrong and then give me the strength 
to change. Give me the strength to do what is right. When I sin, help me to immediately turn from it and turn to you. Listen, some of you are here today and you've never turned your life over to Jesus. Listen, that's the first step. I mean, you got to surrender your life and say, okay, I'm a sinner. I need you to forgive me. I need you to come into my heart and save me. I need you to give me eternal life. I trust in you today. Maybe you need to do that right there at your seat. You need to say, okay, Lord, I surrender. I give you my life because I know I can't do it alone. Maybe you just need to pray that in your heart right now. Listen, again, that's the first step. It's the greatest decision that you'll ever make. It'll give you eternal life in heaven, and it'll give you the strength, again, to overcome the sins that you struggle with. So maybe you need to do that. Give your life to Christ today. Listen, if you have questions about that, we would love to answer those as well. And so fill out an orange card, put it in a yellow bucket, and we'll contact you. If you don't want to do that, text your name to the number on the screen at the end of the service, and we will contact you. We're not going to ask you to come to the front. We're not going to ask you to, you know, to, to do anything in front of 100 people. I mean, we're not going to ask you to do any of that. But we do ask you to let us know how we can help you. Now, here's the thing. We're going to close today. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. And again, if, if you are a first-time guest, we would love to meet you. If you need prayer, write it on the orange card, put it in the yellow bucket, and we will contact you and we will pray for you. Lord, we thank you. I thank you that, um, that you have shown us all the grace that we don't deserve. I thank you that we don't get what we deserve, which is death and, and uh, you know, torture and all those other things. We don't get that because you have shown us your mercy. And Lord, today as Christians, may we walk away today knowing and desiring to hate sin. Because we don't want to be hypocrites. We don't want to be the people that, that keep people out of church because we're living a double life. But we want to be who you've called us to be. And that's a person that is saved by grace that is a sinner, but that has received you as our Savior. And so, Lord, thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. May we hate sin, but may we love the sinner. Thank you, Lord. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you guys for being here. Have a great rest of the week. Again, we want to thank you for listening to this message. And if you have questions, please contact us. We would love to visit with you. Again, Thousand Hills Ranch Church at yahoo.com. Or you can contact us by phone, 580-216-6427. And may God bless the ride you're on.